As it turns out, that this particular position is just about the only position through which you can change your brain. That's Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And this is the Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Tuesday. Appreciate you joining me today as we have a new speaker and one of the leading experts in treating trauma. He's a psychiatrist, a neuroscientist, and a professor And he has been in the field for over 45 years. He's written over 150 peer-reviewed scientific articles and has written arguably one of the most influential books on the topic of trauma, which is also a New York Times bestseller with over 50,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's a book that I've read and it has to be be in the top five books that I've ever read read on the topic and probably top 10, 15 that I've ever read, like period. So I say all of that to say that his work has been proven to be truly transformational. And like all the talks that we feature on the show, I hope that you get a tremendous amount of value from today's message and that it invokes some some curiosity for you to look into these topics a bit further or to perhaps share it with someone that you think that it may help. So with all of that said, let's jump right into this one with Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Enjoy. Many people like to talk about trauma. Our newspapers love it. CNN loves it. Fox News adores it. And the more trauma, the better. Except the next day, people get forgotten. And then it takes a long time. And then sometimes people to get courage after a year or two or 30 to knock on the door of people like me and say, I am desperate, can you help me? So I think trauma has become a very inflated concept. Everything is called trauma these days. And I would just like to show you what trauma looks like. Trauma is an event that overwhelms mind and brain and destroys who you are. It's not like a bad thing. It's not like getting a bad grade, missing your MBTA, not your car falling down. No, it's it's about you will never be the same again. This is it. And people's bodies are stuck in trauma. Once you get traumatized, your body is different. Your talk is different also. Your mind is different. But that's not the biggest thing. Is you're filled up with impulses, sensations, feelings in your body that make you do things that you have no control over. Usually things that have to do with the trauma, where you usually suddenly lash out, or this guy is is plot the word bomb, and he hears the word bomb, he jumps under the bed. And the next guy 
sees a red hat, and the red hat makes him go, and he makes go crazy. And I say it's about bodies that go crazy. I was trained in psychoanalysis, and I was trained as a verbal psychotherapist, and I love the power of language, and I love the power of people being able to tell their truth, uh, being able to speak about what happened to you and finding a resonance is one of the glories of being a human being, the purpose of psychotherapy, and it can be an, make an enormous change in people's minds and brains. Sadly, what my and other people's research showed is that talking about terrible things doesn't quite make it go away. And so I was in this awkward position of having written two books about traumatic stress and being um, considered one of the world's experts in traumatic stress back in 1994. Uh, but there was a little thing missing there, is I had no treatment chapters. <laughs> you can be a great expert in something without having a treatment chapter. It's great. Uh, because I didn't know how to treat it because I was trained as a verbal psychotherapist and I could talk stories and I could be empathic with my patients. And fundamentally, it didn't change. And then some people in my clinic started to do something really weird. They started to winger, wiggle their fingers in front of people's eyes while people were remembering their trauma. And they were very enthusiastic about it. And I'm a young Harvard professor at the time And I tell people, stop that immediately. We are a respectable group of people. And we are not doing things like wiggling our fingers in front of people's eyes and stuff like that. Um, they did it anyway. And they happened to be some of the most talented people I had working for me, for smart and wonderful people. And at some point, they sent somebody to convert me, because it's all about religion. Um, and they sent Steve Lazaroff to show me a movie. And I reluctantly watched this movie. And anybody who's ever heard me speak has seen this movie because I show this movie all the time. This is my Paul on the way to Damascus movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> this little few seconds captures the problem with treating traumatic stress. Namely, at the moment that people evoke it in their minds, they start going crazy their bodies start going out of control. Maybe you haven't seen it, so let me play it again. And so the moment that she calls it up into her mind, her shoulders go up, her breathing becomes tense, her butt sort of lifts halfway out of the chair, and she becomes like a frightened creature. And that's the problem with treating traumatic stress is that the moment you go there, people become the traumatized people. And nobody really wants to go there. So everybody you know who's been traumatized, including you, you don't really want to talk about what happened. Because the moment you talk about it, you start freaking out. You start feeling like it's happening again. And so uh, as therapists, we see these reactions in our patients. And seeing how distressed people become, we steer away from it because most therapists are not sadistic, sadistic people, and they don't want people to really freak out. And so we talk about our childhoods and our mothers and about our terrible boyfriends and their schoolwork, and we talk about everything. 
accept the trauma because we don't know how to deal with that. It's too much. Um, and how bad it is, is nicely illustrated here. For those of you who are sort of body-oriented people, do you see her feet go up and down as if she's hitting a brick? The body relives this stuff. Uh, so it's hard to think that doing this with the patients would be very helpful for them. It's very clear she becomes more and more agitated. And so most of us sort of verbal psychotherapists shy away from torturing our patients in this particular way. There's a treatment method that's widely promulgated through the VA these days, much to my horror, something called um, prolonged exposure treatment, where you expose people to their trauma like this over and over again. And indeed, in about half of the cases who get it, those who do not commit suicide or, be, or turn to drugs to deal with the overwhelming emotions, about half of them have about a 10% improvement in their PTSD. Uh, when the researcher has a 10% improvement, they say, wow, that's so great. We are statistically on the right track. 10% improvement is not good enough. And um, what exposure treatment does to people is nicely illustrated by, as I was writing my chapter about this stuff for my book last year, um, I, took for, I went for a walk and I saw a little five-year-old kid on a tricycle whose dad was screaming at this kid. And I was freaked out seeing this huge guy brutalizing this kid. And uh, much to amazement, this kid just riding his tricycle and was not upset by his dad at all. And I thought to myself, good, this kid has been desensitized to his father's brutality. Or as we call it in the attachment world, he, has, he is uh, dealing without feeling. He has learned to cut off his emotions. Um, you don't really want to hang out with people who have that particular way of coping with the world, who have learned to deal but not feel. I think people who run universities and people who run insurance companies may sometimes be, be people like that. Um, but, but you really want to be with people who have a feeling of pain and hurt and sorrow and joy and for whom all of that has not been cut off. So desensitization is obviously not the treatment for traumatic stress. And so um, here's another thing. Um, as human beings, we tend to look for things that, we, that confirms how we look at the world. And we sort of continuously just push out stuff that doesn't fit with our preconception. And so therapists are very much into people's minds. And they are not much into bodies and organisms. But I'd like to invite you to just imitate the way that this person sits for a second. So she has her chair, her butt slightly lifted out of her chair. Her shoulders are sort of up like this. Now sit like this. And now say, boy, I really love being here today. <laughs> That's how our patients sit. And as long as you sit like this, you're not capable of feeling joy, pleasure, openness to other people. And this whole dimension of 
the body determining what our mind can do, is basically non-existent in therapy. And when you actually talk about it, you say, oh, he's this alternative person. Uh, really? I'm just looking. Okay. Um, so I'm irritated with Steve with wasting my time. And then he shows the next clip. The next clip is the same person after two sessions of his particular treatment. And this is before I do meditation, before I'm a body worker, uh, before I do yoga. And yet, it's obvious that this person has gone through a dramatic change. And again, I would like to invite you to sit like this lady sits. Let me just demonstrate. Her hands are in her lap. She shows us her sternocleidomastoid muscle. It's a muscle of curiosity. And she, her shoulders are down and back. So can I just see that? See your shoulders go down and back. Lift your neck a little bit. And now say, I hate Dick Cheney. <laughs> Even I can't hate Dick Cheney when I sit like that. Okay? Uh, because when you hold your body in a certain position, um, you cannot do the hating thing. You cannot do the worry thing. And what's fascinating to me is how in our world of Western medicine, psychology, social work, and even religion, this is not a familiar posture. After my last visit to the Louvre last year, I decided not to go to the Louvre anymore. I am sick of guys with plumes on horses strutting along. Um, and I'm much more sympathetic to Southeast Asian art where people sit like that. Uh, it's not part of our traditions. also not very much part of our religious traditions. It's there. You know, a few people sit out and they meditate. As it turns out, that this particular position is just about the only position through which you can change your brain. Which is sort of important if you are a traumatized person. Because unless you get into a deeply interoceptive mode, when you contemplate your internal experience, you cannot change your internal experience. So you can keep putting it out there and talk politics and talk about all these horrible people. But if you really want to change the way you feel, the way you organize your internal reality, you have to go inside. So what has Steve done? Steve done this weird thing that I didn't get to research. It's mentioned here, actually, he says, no, EMDR is respectable. No, it's respectable, because I did the research. Like, you're, like and so we, had, we went to NIMH, did EMDR research, and what we showed, actually, is that EMDR turns out, up to now, the most, the best treatment for a simple, relatively uncomplicated trauma, like an assault or a rape. at an 80% cure rate, which nobody's ever come close to. What's interesting right now, there is a study being done that seems to be, it's going to have probably similar outcomes as we had with EMDR. It comes from a different corner. It is MNDA research. It is research on ecstasy. That's not how most respectable people think about the world. I hear about this research and I say, yep, makes perfect sense. I get to know the people, very good people. Um, what do they do? They give people a drug 
that makes their brains very calm, open, and loving. And as they take those drugs, they start revisiting that wounded self. And they say, oh my God, that's me. Back then, I was beaten up, I was raped. And they develop compassion for themselves as it happened to them. That's very similar to what we do in EMDR and other things. You help people to be in a mindful, safe place where they can observe without getting hijacked what happened to them. And if you do that, you can integrate the experience and say, this happened to me a long time ago. It sucked, but it's over. It doesn't happen anymore. And so those are the two treatments that I know for sure. No, actually, I know one for sure here there, and the other one looks very promising. That can have very profound capacities to help people to integrate the trauma. My hunch is that any treatment that can help people to feel deeply calm and self-observant can have those effects. The problem is that it's very hard to make people feel that calm and to safely observe themselves because traumatized people are scared to death about what's going on inside. Because there's a misunderstanding that most of us start with. It took me years to figure out it. it was a misunderstanding. That people think that trauma is something that happens out there. It's a story of when you were little or when you were in a concentration camp or that you, when you were raped or when you were beaten. No, that's, that is a story about something that happened a long time ago. The trauma is the wound that's inside of you. It's the fact that you continue to feel as if you're being raped, that you continue to feel as if right now you're being assaulted, the feeling that right now that you're in danger. So the issue with trauma is you live in a body that is filled with the residues of the horror of the past. And in order to overcome the horror of the past, you have to cleanse your body. You have to free up your body and learn to own your body. Big thanks to Dr. Bessel van der Kolk for stopping by. I got this clip from YouTube and it is entitled The 2014 Merle Jordan Conference, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, Session 3. And if you'd like to connect with him and his work, I highly recommend that you check out his website, BesselvanderKolk.com. There is a ton of resources about his work, his treatment centers, and so much more. And his Instagram is the body keeps the score. His YouTube is entitled Trauma Research Foundation and his groundbreaking book and New York Times bestseller that in 2019 was ranked second in the science category. And as of 2021, the book had spent more than 141 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction and 27 of those weeks spent in the number one position. And the book is entitled The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And I have all the links to everything I just mentioned, along with a link to the entire talk. They will all be in the show description below for you to check out. And if you like the show and the speakers and the content we share, please give it a follow or leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast player app. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. So until then, stay strong. Later.